Welcome to Entrench, a 21 Pilots podcast. Hello, local dreamers. Welcome to Entrench. My name is Anna, and this is episode three, The Pantaloon. So make sure you have listened to the song beforehand and are now ready for an in-depth analysis of track three off the self-titled album, 21 Pilots. So The Pantaloon is not a song I have looked at a ton or really thought about as deeply, so I'm really excited for this episode. Usually right before I record, I do the like lyric annotations, and I got a lot out of it that I'm excited to share with you today. It might be a little shorter than Fall Away, but still a lot of really interesting stuff that I hadn't really considered before, so... I hope you're excited for today. First, I wanted to share a quick story with you that reminds me of this song. So last summer, right after I graduated college, my friend Jubilee held a graduation party and I went for the day and she had tons of family there and I ran into one of her little cousins who was probably about eight years old. I was wearing my bandito shirt that day, which is from their trench tour the past two times I went, both last summer and the fall before that was their trench era in tours. And so I was wearing that shirt and she said she really liked 21 Pilots. So of course I had to ask her what her favorite song was and she said the pantaloon which I thought was really cute because definitely when you think of 21 Pilots, it's not probably the first song many people would think of. It's very obscure compared to a lot of other songs they have. So I thought that was really cool. And now after having more in-depth analyzed the song, this is a very interesting pick that she had because it's actually very deep and kind of dark, but very unexpected pick from an eight-year-old, but actually a really cool song other thing is I thought we should probably preface this with the definition of a pantaloon because it's kind of an odd word, which I'm not surprised was used by Tyler because he generally likes bringing up weird and quirky words in his music. So pantaloon is generally known as a Venetian character who is basically a foolish old man. Pantaloons are also um, pants that are like They look like balloons, basically, kind of like Aladdin pants, I'm pretty sure. Basically, as a person, because in the sense of this song, it's referring to a person. A pantaloon is a foolish old man. With that in mind, we can get into the lyric analysis. So I'll ask you to keep that image of a foolish old man in mind. Also, originally, when I was going into this song, I noticed that right away it starts talking in second person by saying your grandpa died. So in that sense, it's different than the first two songs, of course. And if we're going to analyze this through a Christian lens, my initial question was, could this be a parable? The short answer is, I think so. I think it can be. We will get back to that idea at the end, but let's first go through all of the different stanzas and talk about what's happening in this song. So, verse 1, the instrumental intro kind of comes in with, I couldn't think of a good description of the notes in the beginning, but they're chords that are very strained and they're very dissonant in sound. They kind, they're kind of clunky. The notes don't quite go together. And in general, the image that came to mind were just strings that were pulled taut. It was a very interesting way to come into this song with kind of a strained, like a strained theme. 
whatever's gonna happen is gonna be a little clunky and a little awkward, and I suppose that fits the idea of pantaloon perfectly. So in verse one, it says, your grandpa died when you were nine, setting up the stage with the, of this parable per se as a child who has lost their grandpa. They said he had lost his mind. So we know, at least according to whoever's talking to this person, we know the grandpa lost their mind. Whether or not this is valid is uncertain, so there could be some bias there. We don't know for sure, but at least from the nine-year-old's perspective, the grandpa lost his mind. So verse one finishes off saying, you have learned way too soon because the child is so young. You should never trust the pantaloon. We know a couple of things here. Besides the fact that the grandpa died, we know that based on the information being told to the nine-year-old and the subject of the song, really, this person doesn't know their grandpa and has to be told about them through other people. We know based on you should never trust the pantaloon that the grandpa must have been a pantaloon. In other words, the grandpa was a foolish old man. In my mind, this doesn't necessarily mean he was mentally crazy. Like, I know that's pretty common implication when someone says lost their mind, but I think it could also mean, I mean, we know that Tyler himself has struggled with losing a grandfather. I'm pretty sure to dementia or something similar. In that explicit sense, it could be some kind of mental deterioration like that, but it even kind of calls to mind, I think of Beauty and the Beast, Maurice, Belle's father, when he comes back from being captured by the beast. He is telling people that they need to go help Belle and trying to get people to believe in this beast, but no one believes him. They just think he's this crazy old man. And so to me, when I think of a pantaloon, what comes to mind is just not someone who's literally crazy, but Someone who says things that other people probably don't believe or other people kind of scoff at or just write away this person as not being trustworthy because of, you know, whatever they might have been through that makes their point of view not valid compared to the other people. Anyway, that's kind of the setup idea of how I'm viewing the pantaloon that maybe he did have some psychological problems or maybe he just wasn't believed by other people. I think it could be either way. I'm curious what you guys think, so let me know. But along with not knowing the grandpa, the subject of this song is forced into an opinion of who their grandpa was as well through this verse. And again, it says, you have learned way too soon. You should never trust the pantaloon. But in reality, because they didn't know the grandpa themselves, we don't really know if that statement in and of itself is even trustworthy. You know, you can't really form an, a valid opinion on someone if you don't even know them or haven't even looked into things about them yourself. It's good to take what people tell you and consider it, but you also need to go out and find out those kinds of things for yourself. Obviously, in that case, it's different because the person passed away, but I think it is also important to remember that just because someone says a person was this way, especially if they've passed away, doesn't mean that that's all they were as a person, I guess, is my point. Then, moving along with the narrative, we get to verse 2 where it says, now it's your turn to be alone. So we know quite some time has passed between verse one and verse two, at least that's what's implied, 
because it continues on by saying, find a wife and build yourself a home. This to me kind of implies that, well, now of course the person has grown up. If they're being asked to build a home and find a wife, I don't think they're nine anymore. I also think it implies that the father has passed, but then this is affirmed in the second half of the verse when it says, you have learned way too soon that your dad is now the pantaloon. I'm assuming the dad has passed because it's it says it's your turn to be alone, whereas in verse one, it's talking about how the grandpa died and that implication of the dad of the subject is alone. Now, if it's the subject's turn to be alone, I'm assuming... I don't know for sure, but I'm assuming that means the dad passed. We at least certainly know that the dad is now the pantaloon, which means the dad, who was once fully functional, has now become the foolish old man, just like the grandpa was. Both the grandpa and the dad lost their minds. So to me, it kind of shows this trend of there's some kind of inevitable sickness going on. If we're going to play into the theme of this whole parable, there's some kind of inevitable sickness going on that is being passed down through their genes. And no, not their Levi genes. <laughs> Bad joke. Okay. Yeah, the person has lost their dad. Now they're being asked to find a wife, you know, build a family, and then help provide for that family, just like their dad did. And at one point, even though they didn't know him, their grandpa probably did as well. And then we move into the chorus where it says, You are tired, you are hurt. And I think, obviously, they lost their grandpa. It's implied they lost their dad. At this point, there's a lot of loss happening. In that way, they're tired. Just as life goes on, we experience more and more loss, and that makes it really difficult. You're hurt by that loss as well. It's not just something that makes you feel hollow and broken, but it's something that's really personal because it's loss that's based on close relationships. So the verse goes on and says, a moth ate through your favorite shirt. And that to me is like the final straw where it's like all of these terrible things are happening. And now this one little thing just happened. And normally it wouldn't be a big deal, but because all these other things have happened, it's like the cherry on top to a horrible day. And I just really like how specific that image is. But also the idea that like a moth eating through a favorite shirt, like something is taking something of yours and kind of burrowing a hole through it. That image of something, I don't know, I don't know what I'm trying to get at, but it's just an interesting image of how something deteriorates. And we obviously see through the grandpa and the father losing their minds that there is a theme of deterioration going on, which makes sense that it would also bring the image of a moth in and that deterioration of the shirt as well is kind of a physical and external comparison to the mental and internal deterioration that's taking place in the minds of these people. The chorus finishes off saying, and all your friends fertilize the ground you walk, lose your mind. So basically everyone's dying, especially as this person is getting older, more and more people are passing away. There is more and more tiredness, there's more and more hurt and grief because all of these relationships are disappearing and all of the joy that existed among these friends is disappearing as they are passing away. I've experienced some loss, but I can only imagine the immense and probably numbing pain when you are older 
especially. And even just now in in light of recent events where loss is being experienced a lot more frequently among more significant people in your life, not just hearing about a death on the news or a celebrity dying or an occasional grandparent like you suffer as you're growing up, but the older you get, the more significant and frequent the losses of significant people are in your life. That's just immense pain that is going to wear you down over time on top of everything else that might wear you down physically or mentally just as you grow older. That, yeah, to some degree, whether you literally do or not, it makes sense that the sentiment would end as lose your mind because essentially everything that you came to know up until that point is just gradually disappearing before your eyes as the world changes. And I think every time we lose someone significant to us, the world changes that much more. In a way, yeah, you're losing parts of yourself when you're losing all these different people. It's enough to make anyone, quote-unquote, lose their mind, I suppose. But also, we are in this story where there's this theme of people inheriting this sickness in that way this person now is starting to become the pantaloon in that way. We see that also affirmed within the bridge, which is the biggest chunk of the song by far. And the bridge, I would consider an aside or a commentary where the storyteller, where for lack of better reference, I'm going to say is Tyler, is kind of stopping to address what's happening in the story, address what's happening to this person. Instead of talking second person to the subject of this song, it's this third person aside of this is what is ultimately happening at this point in the story or parable. It says, he's seen too many stare downs between the sun and the moon in the morning air, how he used to hustle all the people walking through the fairgrounds He's been around so long, he's changed his meaning of a chair now, because a chair now is like a tiny island in the sea of all the people, who glide across the very surface that made his bones feeble. The end can't come soon enough, but is it too soon? Either way, he can't deny he is a pantaloon. So, he's seen too many stare-downs between the sun and the moon. This, to me, comes back to kind of what we talked about in Fall Away, just a teeny bit, of how the sun and the moon are, in this sense, having a stare down, so they're opposites, conflicting with each other. And I think, obviously, for just daylight and nighttime purposes, the sun and the moon are dark and light here, and by extension could be good and evil. Along with that, I think the moon also is kind of representative of Satan in that way, where If God is the sun and he is radiant and he is light and he is truth and life, the moon is something that can sometimes look similar but is ultimately a fake reflection of the sun. I think that's a good way to describe Satan because sometimes the way he plants himself in our minds can be convincing and sometimes it can make sense to us, especially as people who are innately sinful. But it's also important to remember that he's ultimately just a fake reflection of what actually is true. Though he might have certain quote-unquote enticing qualities, they're fleeting, they'll only you know, things like pleasure, that's only satisfactory and not even 
genuinely truly satisfactory for a very short amount of time and then you're left feeling probably more empty and hollow than you were to begin with whereas genuine joy and love for other people will satisfy you throughout the duration of your life and that comes from God. So I just thought those were a cool symbolism for God and Satan and a little picture of spiritual warfare that permeates the song. I think it's just the tiny little bit of God in this song because obviously we don't see or hear God directly in this song, but I think, especially in the sense of a parable, he's definitely here. Yeah, I think the sun and the moon is about as close as we get in this song, but I think even that in itself is important because basically in the context of this story, the side commentary here is starting off with this guy is worn thin because he's aware of the dark and the light in his life. That definitely goes along with fall away, the idea of growing tired from that pull from both sides because of course both sides want to influence you. Maybe not being sure yet which side you're ultimately going to choose, being in that kind of in-between place. Obviously, Earth itself is also a literal in-between place, so it, it does get very tiring, like the chorus talks about in this song, just how he's tired and hurt. And I think that whether he acknowledges it or not, that spiritual warfare, like this symbol showcases, also further depicts that. Yeah, that was kind of a bit of a tangent, but back on track here in the bridge it continues on saying in the morning air how he used to hustle all the people walking through the fairgrounds and this to me reminds me of like someone who is very impatient they're just kind of rushing people they don't really want them you know you think of the fairgrounds as like doing something fun but if someone's trying to hustle people through this their priority really isn't having fun they're again pretty impatient and it just makes me think that the subject of this song is someone who is very opinionated and is very set in their ways and anyone who has different priorities than them probably bothers them and if we take that idea and these characteristics of who this person is I think we get more depth into what a pantaloon is that maybe an old foolish man isn't just someone who's not believed that maybe a pantaloon also means this is someone who's very stuck in their own ways and won't listen to other perspectives when you think of classic cranky old people Let's be honest, that's probably what you're picturing, someone who isn't quote-unquote with the times, and I think what we mean by that is ultimately someone who only sticks to what they know. They refuse to learn from other people or new things. They just want to do what they want to do. And I think the rest of the bridge continues to back this point up when it says, he's been around so long He's changed his meaning of a chair now. And again, I think some people would go about these lyrics as, oh, just proof that the pantaloon is a literal crazy person. But again, I think this kind of emphasizes that idea of when you're so stuck in your own ways, you can't see anything else any other way. So if a chair is one thing to you, it's going to be that thing, even if other people disagree. Because a chair now as it goes on, is like a tiny island in the sea of all the people. 
who glide across the very surface that made his bones feeble. And again, if if we think of that image of an old man sitting in a chair at home, he's obviously someone who is very tired, someone who's very worn down from everything. But we also might think something like that is very isolating and lonely. But it's interesting that while a lot of people would think that's something very isolating and lonely, the subject makes sure we know that the chair for them is a tiny island in the sea of all the people. This idea that it's actually an escape for this person. Having that solitude is something that allows them to get a peace of mind because if we're describing all the people as a sea, it sounds like it's pretty tiring, it's pretty overwhelming. It can drown him out sometimes, make him feel lost. And so he needs that time alone. I think his pain and weariness is exacerbated by the idea that these people are gliding across the very surface that made his bones feeble. He has been struggling and hurting so much through all of his loss, through becoming this foolish person that he never wanted to grow into, and yet all these other people seem to be doing just fine. They're gliding, they're not struggling with this mental deterioration that he is, even though that's probably their fate anyway. But yeah, there's a juxtaposition between the weariness of what all he's seen and all the loss he's experienced and all of these other people who have it so easy, or at least from his perspective, appear to have it so easy. As a result, it's made the very structure of who he is, his bones, made them feeble, where they're not strong anymore, where they're easily broken because of all of the distress he's put himself through. And then it ends saying the end can't come soon enough. Like he's so exhausted at this point, he's probably just ready for death. But is it too soon? It continues. I like that because it proves that there's still hope that the purpose for his life isn't just so he can be a pantaloon. It's not just so everything can wear him out and exhaust him and hurt him. That perhaps there could be some sliver of goodness that could come along, even still, even when he's near the end of his life. Either way, he can't deny he's a pantaloon. He's an old, foolish man that people can't quite trust. And then it goes back into the chorus about how he's tired and he's hurt. Moth ate through his favorite shirt and everyone just keeps dying. And then the final verse is probably the most interesting. It says, you like to sleep alone. So again, this person is very stuck in their own ways. We don't know for sure if they ever actually got a wife. So they're sleeping alone either because their wife died or because they were just that stubborn and stuck in their own ways. Either way, they are once again alone. It's colder than you know because your skin is so used to colder bones. Not only is being in the solitude hard because there's no other people around, but I think it implies it's even harder because of a lack of something else else. And I think the parable implication would be Jesus. Not only is he, this person, physically alone, but they're spiritually alone in all of this. Their skin is so used to colder bones 
it's also just sad because they're used to sadness. They're used to the weariness and they don't know any better than that. So they're just clinging to the things that are just really tragic because they don't know that there's a silver lining, that there can be hope, that there can be peace through Christ. And instead, they're sticking to their own ways that are actually more harmful than helpful. It's warmer in the morning than what it is at night. There is some hope there of when this person does wake up, it is warmer. Your bones are held together by your nightmares and your frights. But then it's quickly like, but the only reason they got through was because of their own fears and their own selfish ways of being stubborn. You know, also just that fear of death that even in light of the sentiment of potentially wanting to die, like they won't even do that because they're too selfish and that they're just too afraid of death to let that happen. At least that's how I read that, but I could be completely wrong. So then the song fades out with the same chorus about the weariness and how hurt the person is, and that's the pantaloon. So ultimately, I think this song is a parable. I think that means a couple things. If we're to take it as a parable, like we take the parables in the Bibles to be messages for ourselves, I think in the context of the pantaloon, the morals we can take from it is that we are all deteriorating. I think this song kind of proved that and one time or another, everyone will be the pantaloon. That we are afflicted with something that is inevitable. And of course, we know that to be sin. But I think that's a great depiction of sin in a parable way. That if you weren't a Christian, it would be a really enlightening and beneficial picture of what that means. That means that not only are you broken in this sickness, but it's tiring and you're going to be miserable if you try to just white knuckle and control it all. If you stick among your own ways of doing things, you're going to be miserable your whole life. You're going to be lost in your own mind and it's going to be really tough because you're not going to have any peace because you're clinging to your own ways of finding peace, which means you're only ever going to get temporary peace. You're only ever going to get temporary rest. These things are all going to come to an end if you're always relying on your own way of doing things. And if we are afflicted by an inevitable sickness, we should be looking for a cure and something that's going to take away the pain, something that's going to help us find more peace and rest. And that is Jesus Christ. <laughs> I I think it's so easy to get caught up, caught up in the fear of talking to people about Jesus, people we love who haven't accepted Christ or don't want to believe in God or whatever it might be. I know I find myself sometimes selfishly just being afraid of what people will say if I want to talk to them about faith or anything, but ultimately we know as Christians, for those of us listening who are Christians, that before we found Christ, we knew how sick we were, especially in retrospect. We know how sick we were. I mean, we still are. That's the important thing to know about living in Christ, you're always sick, and that's why we need Christ. You don't accept Christ and suddenly everything's good. We need him until we die because we live in a sinful world 
my point was we need to put our own pride aside and share the gospel with people because so many people are living in their own ways that are only hurting themselves and making themselves exhausted and suffering through so much grief. If we know of a truth that is beyond ourselves that will help people feel peace and rest and love and unconditional love, we have a duty to share that because we love people. It would be a tragedy if we didn't. It's just a good reminder that our stories as Christians are important and we have a duty to tell that either directly or indirectly and I think the Pantaloon is a really great example of what happens if you do lean on your own understanding. You ultimately just end up exhausted and unhappy and faded for nothing but death and sickness and we were meant to live for so much more switch foot <laughs> we were sorry i'm just mixing bands on this podcast now i think i've also brought up disney multiple times already who knew but anyway we're getting a little off track now so that was mostly all I had to say please let me know other thoughts because there's a lot here and it's really intriguing to me to think about this as a parable I feel like I need to listen to the song a few more times now and see if I can get more stuff out of it thanks for listening and as always I want to hear from you guys so you can email entrenchpodcast at gmail.com with a written account of your 21 pilots story or your favorite memory you have that's related to the band. I will be sure to start reading them at the end of each episode as soon as they start coming into the inbox, so please don't be shy. Send them in, even if it's something small. I don't mind. I love hearing everyone's stories, and I promise I won't embarrass you if you know me. (laughs) So send those in whenever you think of something and just want to Share the joy you found in 21 Pilots. And if you'd like to contribute to the analysis, you can join the podcast Facebook group by searching Entrench Podcast Group. I look forward to hearing from all of you and tune in next week for Addict with a Pen, the song that actually changed my life for the better. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Stay alive and remember, Entrench, you're not alone.